0: Welcome to Funeral Directors Chat, where funeral professionals discuss industry topics, trends, and news. And now your host, Nancy Bourbon.
1: Hi, I'm Nancy Bourbon, your host for Funeral Directors Chat, a podcast providing funeral professionals with insight to current industry topics, news, and trends. Today, my guest is Cody Anderson. I'm very happy to have Cody Anderson on board. We've been trying to connect for a while. We speak a lot on Facebook, and we've chatted before. And I'm happy to report that he has just graduated from his mortuary science degree at Piedmont Technical College in Greenwood, South Carolina. Welcome, Cody.
0: Thank you, Nancy. It's an honor to be talking to you today.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. And also, Cody, um, you are an apprentice at Hatcher's Funeral Home. Is that correct?
0: That's correct.
1: Um, and one thing I want i want to touch on... Um, So don't let me forget to ask you about this. I want to ask you about what your opinions are about how early in the process you should be seeking funeral home employment. But before I get to that, I want the audience to hear a little bit about yourself. So tell me a little bit about yourself.
0: Okay. I'm a lifelong resident of Bath, South Carolina. I'm 24 years old, and like you said, I just graduated from Piedmont Technical College last week, and I'm currently serving my apprenticeship at Hatcher Funeral Home in Langley, South Carolina.
1: And, um, Cody, let me ask you, when did you first decide that, I think I want to go into the funeral services profession? Uh,
0: That's very interesting, because if you would have asked me three or four years ago if I'd be in the funeral industry, I would have laughed at you. Uh, Really? uh, Yes, I never would have uh, pictured myself in this industry. But um, what caught my attention... And, and drew me to this industry is uh, when Hatcher Funeral Home handled the service for my grandmother, who played a big part in rearing me throughout my life. And the way that they handled everything and the professionalism that they demonstrated really inspired me, and it really touched my life.
1: That's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that, Cody. And so you, after your grandma's um, funeral... You decided, so what did you do? Did you go to the folks at Hatcher and say, you know, I think I would really like to to join your crew. I'd like to be part of this experience?
0: Well, that's very interesting that you said that because that's almost how that happened. Uh, A few months after my grandmother's funeral, her sister, my great aunt, passed away. And I wasn't going to be able to come to the, the viewing that night of her visitation. So I came by the funeral home early to pay my respects. And... I worked up the courage to ask Julie, who is an employee of the funeral home, uh, that I might be interested in this. And, you know, we talked, and I asked if I could, you know, come and see how everything was done and work a few services, and she said that that she would pass that along to Mr. Hatcher, and uh, she did. And a couple of weeks later, uh, Julie called and asked if I could work a service, and here we are. From there, now work here full time.
1: That's wonderful. So, um, getting back to the uh, to the question I had asked previously, a lot, as you know, a lot of young people on Facebook are complaining that they can't get a job. Right? You see this all the solar exactly. time. And my advice to them, as you know, is get in, get involved early in the process. As soon as you know this is something you want to do, even before mortuary school go to engage with a funeral home and do anything, wash their cars, um, work at the front desk, do whatever they need to do, Xeroxing, whatever the case may be, and engage in the process with them and, and gain their confidence and their respect, and then go to mortuary school, and hopefully they'll take you on as an apprentice.
0: I couldn't agree with you more, Nancy. I believe that's very important. If you're interested in this career, I would say, you know, go to the funeral home, try to get your foot in the door, have as much experience as you can.
1: And then you're a classic example of somebody who did that. You you went right into it. Now, did you go, did, were you working services and, and working as an apprentice before mortuary school or at the same time?
0: I was doing it concurrently while I was going to school. And I did a little bit of it before because of how their semesters work out. Right. Uh, I had a Probably six months of my apprenticeship completed before mortuary school started. So I had a lot of experience, hands-on experience, before I even started mortuary school, which I think helped me out tremendously. I would suggest to anyone that was going to go to mortuary school to start working in a funeral home, observing, and know the funeral home from the front door to the back door.
1: Exactly. And Cody, let me ask you a question did you ever work in or around the prep room before you actually made this decision to go to mortuary school? or Was that later?
0: Oh no, that was you know right from the beginning. I wanted to make sure that I was able to handle the prep room and make sure that I, you know, I was capable of that. Because, you know, when I, when I first talked to Julie, that was the farthest thing from my mind. I thought that I could not handle that at all. Mm-hmm. But luckily I had a lot of great help at the funeral home by the two funeral directors here they took me under their wings and, you know, there's no problem at all.
1: That's wonderful because what I hear is a lot of times people get all the way halfway through or all the way through mortuary school without ever seeing a decedent. And then when they enter the prep room, they're just not prepared to to deal with that. They, they're doing all the book learning and, and all the educational experience, but they don't really have a lot of hands-on experience. And it's not exactly maybe what they what they thought they were going to get into. Do you agree?
0: Exact I agree 100%. I, like I said uh, before, I would suggest to anyone going into you know this or thinking of going to mortuary school to, to start working at a funeral home and you know even if you have to volunteer your time just to observe and make sure it's the right thing for you.
1: Good advice. And I hope everyone listening on this podcast really takes uh, Cody's advice because this is the exact way that you should uh, go into your funeral services career. You should find out if it's the right thing for you to do. You should associate yourself with a funeral home and then go to mortuary school concurrently. Great move, Cody. Now, what is it that, what is the single most thing or one of the aspects that you find um, is the best about being employed in the funeral industry? Because everybody has their preference.
0: I, I love working with the public. That's something that I've always enjoyed. In high school, I was president of my class, editor-in-chief of the yearbook, and throughout college at USC, I was involved in various organizations. I love working with the public and helping people, and I feel that this is one of the most crucial times in someone's life, and you know, you can help them out so much in this industry, and that's what I like the most about it.
1: That's beautiful, and that's really the reason that people should go into the funeral services industry. Although it is a business, it should be a caring, compassionate business, and you should really bring that to the table. Now, um, you went to uh, Piedmont Technical College in Greenwood, South Carolina. What did you think about that school? You know, there's so many schools for for people to choose from. Uh, Give us a little information on why you chose this school and how this school was in teaching you the mortuary sciences.
0: Well, I actually had the opportunity to choose between going to Gumpton Jones in Atlanta or Piedmont Technical College. And I chose uh, Piedmont Technical College because of its location, how convenient it was to where I live. I could drive there for class and be there in an hour and then after class be back home in an hour. They have a state-of-the-art prep room. It's all modern, brand new, top-of-the-line, OSHA-compliant. It's, it's, it's a great facility and perfect for learning and they have great staff also. Oh well,
1: that's great. Thanks for sharing that with us because, you know, a lot of people try that are going into this field that they don't know how to make that differentiation. Like, why would I choose this school over another? Because, you know, having an up-to-date prep room and having modern facilities is really important. You don't want to go to a school that's got outdated facilities and then it's not really relevant to you when you actually get a position. Exactly. Now, um, let me ask you, Cody, now that you're you're a brand new graduate, um, tell us what you think about the role of the funeral director in your community. You live in a small town in South Carolina. Is that a good assumption?
0: Yes, that's very correct.
1: Okay, now what do you think is the role of the funeral director in a small town such as yours?
0: I think it's a vital role to the community. We uh, provide a service. Uh, in time of need, and people call us because they trust us, and they, they expect to see us. You know, when someone passes away, they turn to us because they trust us, and they know that uh, we will do what's necessary.
1: That's a really good answer, Cody, because trust is a very in- important component. Um, if they don't know you and they don't have that trust, um, they, they likely will just go on the Internet and Google their hometown.
0: Exactly right.
1: Now, what are other ways do you think that um, you can engender trust in the community before the um, actual time of need?
0: I think being visible in the community and doing uh, charity organizations, volunteering, and showing people that you're there, that you care, and that's what you're here for. You know, uh, working visitations and being on services, and people will grow to like in my town, they'll, they'll expect to see you there. And when you're not there, they'll, they'll want to know why you're not there.
1: Okay. And, and also uh, letting them get to see who you are as a person. A lot of people really don't think about death a lot until they're at need. And then they're really, you know, in the grieving process, they don't really have a lot of understanding of what to do or where to go so if they meet you at, say, a softball game or um, some association that you're um, doing charitable events for, um, and they get to know you, um, then they'll say, you know, I think Cody is working at Hatcher, so um, I feel really comfortable about calling Cody.
0: That's, that's exactly right.
1: And let me ask you, since you're, you're new in the industry and you have a fresh perspective or in a fresh eye. Where do you think funeral service is going in the future? And what changes that you as a young funeral director may see in the future? I
0: think, as most can see, that the funeral industry is going very virtual. Everything is moving online. People go online to, to sign a registry book, to, to view a service that they missed, that we can stream them online. I believe that this is revolutionizing the funeral industry.
1: And do you think uh, what? And what does the role of the funeral director play in all these this new online and virtual realities?
0: If you're not taking the steps to to have a website to have yourself online, I think that you're going to get left behind. And the role of the funeral director is is going to change drastically. How's that? You know, whereas families used to come in to make arrangements, now you're seeing that. People are emailing back and forth and never even coming into the funeral home.
1: Now, do they ask for price lists and things like that by email or by phone?
0: Well, we've actually moved all of our price lists onto our website so that they can see everything from their desk at home. We had the philosophy that if they can walk in the front door, then why can't they see everything online? We're We're not ashamed of our prices, why not have them online so that when they're pre-planning or pre-selecting a funeral home, they can see all of our prices, pictures of all of our caskets and our packages, and they're all there right there in front of them.
1: That's wonderful. So you're giving them the convenience of while they're grieving or while they're anticipating um, a death that they're able to look at the caskets, look at the pricing, and make decisions from the comfort of their own home. Exactly. Well, that's a great service. And I guess when you are as transparent as Hatcher is, that people people also see that as a trust factor. They wouldn't put their prices online if they were really out of line with the rest of the industry.
0: You're right, Nancy. And that's the philosophy that we have.
1: I know that um, you and I see eye to eye on green services. What is, your, what is your point of view on green services?
0: I think that... Green services are very important. I think that as a funeral home, you know, we have to be able to accommodate people that would like green services. You know, a lot of funeral homes are opposed to green services or they don't want to offer them or they don't want to associate with green cemeteries. But I think as funeral professionals, we need to associate with green cemeteries. We need to have that option available, you know, because there are a lot of environmentalists that are now going away from cremation because of the harmful effects on the environment, the mercury, you know, put out by crematories that are drawn to the aspect of green services because of their green appeal. And I think as funeral professionals, we have to be able to, you know, offer that to the public.
1: Absolutely. And in South Carolina, where you're located, uh, for some reason, there are a lot of, there's a lot of interest in, in green burials and there are green cemeteries.
0: Yes, that's exactly right, and there's still, you know, some opposition to green services, which I don't understand as a professional. I think that that option needs to be there for families in their time of need.
1: From your perspective, working at a funeral home and also um, going through mortuary school, um, where do you think this objection to green services is coming from? Is it coming from funeral directors? Um, that you've met along the way? Is it coming from uh, staff at mortuary school, students? Where is it coming from? Client families?
0: I think most of the opposition is in the funeral profession, that a lot of people aren't embracing this service and this option to families in their time of need.
1: And why do you think that is?
0: I think because it's just another form of change, and this is an industry that isn't, you know very keen on change
1: very true very true and um you think as i do that um if they don't get on board with green services they're going to be left behind
0: i believe that nancy and you know if someone were to choose a green service from our perspective that's just another type of service that we can provide
1: absolutely now um You've seen—we've all seen—a real rapid increase in direct cremation, Um, and that's really an industry term. And when consumers, when client families come in and say they want direct cremation, they don't really understand what they're saying. Um, But so, how do you handle that, Cody?
0: Nancy, you nailed that right on the head that as funeral professionals, we have to educate the public about cremations. We've had many people come in that say, oh, we just want our loved one cremated, that's all. But there's a lot more to cremation. You know, we have to educate the consumer families about the options that we have with cremation, and they can still have a viewing and a full service and cremation afterwards. I tell people that we can have a cremation just like a funeral, but the only thing different is we don't go to the cemetery after the service.
1: Absolutely. And also, um, I think, you know, when you are grieving, you don't realize, well, um, we're not going to put grandpa or grandma in, in a burial plot. She's being cremated. Uh, did we arrange for an urn? I mean, nobody wants to carry home that little box.
0: Exactly. And
1: And, you know, when they do, they're not going to put that in any place of honor in their home. They're going to stick it in the closet and, you know, who knows when they're going to get around to it. And and very often, they don't know where to get an urn. They don't know what, you know, what size urn to get. They really don't have, they're not educated in um, how to select that piece of merchandise. Now, do you follow through all the way through and say, well, would you like an urn? Would you like to do scattering ashes? How would you like to dispose of the remains?
0: Yes, that's one thing that I find very important. And with this is, goes back to our service. That's what this industry is about, is about service and serving our uh, client families. And, you know, a lot of times with cremation, it's, it's all about cost to a family. A lot of times they've exhausted their resources and they don't have a lot of means to to pay for final expenses. And I think as a funeral professional, you know, if, if they come and, and they're honest and they don't have a lot of resources, we can make some adjustments on our end that add value to the service of just a direct cremation.
1: Okay, and how do you do that usually? You know, we can we can
0: adjust our prices and we can offer, you know, a limited family viewing and use of our rental caskets and things like that, that, you know, add a little bit of value along the way to you know, just a direct cremation. And one, one thing that we do is that we don't just give someone a box back, you know, the plastic box, like you said. If they don't have any money or, or they don't select an urn, our temporary urn that we give back is a nice wooden urn, which I know, you know, and doesn't cost a lot, but it adds a lot of value to the family that they're just not getting that black plastic box back.
1: Right. And I think, you know, since people don't do a lot of research in this area, because why would they? They don't understand that, you know, you could secure them and earn for a hundred dollars, which is a huge difference for, from their um, perception of how much a wooden casket is going to cost. They're thinking thousands and thousands of dollars for the casket. They can't afford the casket. They want to get uh, their loved one cremated. They don't realize that you can secure them and earn for under a hundred dollars. You're right. And that's very affordable. And then they go home with something that, you know, they can have an engraved plaque on it. And they go home and they have something they can, you know, they have their grandmother or, or their whoever their loved one is at home with them. And they have, you know, a permanent a remembrance of, of that person. And it's important. Right. It's important to have closure. And it's important to know where in the world your dece- deceased is. If they're not in You're a cemetery, right. you don't want them in it, like some little box that so many funeral homes dispense. You're absolutely right. That's
0: right. And that, and like, you know, I said, it's, it's about adding value to the family
1: and remembrance, um, and helping them secure closure so that they have a positive experience, um, that they go through the process and it ends on a positive note, not that a death is ever positive, but they feel like their a loved one was well-remembered.
0: You're exactly right, Nancy.
1: Now, uh, what do you think about the technology that we have in funeral services? Um, how do you think that's going to change the whole way we do business?
0: Like we touched on earlier, uh, mm-hmm. technology is revolutionizing this industry. We're seeing that, that funerals are being broadcasted online to relatives that are in the Philippines, that, that people go online to price shop and compare funerals and funeral homes and crematories, and that everything is moving virtual. We have guest books online, and you know, like we said, price list, and and it. I just believe that technology is revolutionizing this industry. You you look at the cell phone, just how that has revolutionized this industry, where funeral directors can now be away from the funeral home and can transfer calls to an answering service, and and you know, have the calls forwarded to their cell phone or transferred to their cell phone from an answering service, and you no longer have to stay overnight at the funeral home anymore
1: right and you know being a young person and knowing as much about technology as you do um i think you would be a breath of fresh air to a funeral home because you um know so much about these products and services that when the client families come in and they don't necessarily know what their options are you can explain it to them in a way that they can understand and make some really educated decisions
0: yes nancy that's that's my goal (laughs)
1: Okay, so, uh, Cody, what are your goals as a newly graduated uh, funeral professional?
0: Uh, my goal is to uh, continue and serve my community uh, through the funeral industry and and have a great career, a lifelong career in this industry, and, and hopefully see where it goes from there and maybe one day even own my own funeral home.
1: That's a worthy ambition. Are you going to continue on at Hatcher?
0: I would definitely like to continue on at Hatcher. I hope that once my apprenticeship is completed, that there will be a position available here for me.
1: I hope so, too. Um, So, Cody, um, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to contribute that might help? Um, we're, We're kind of focusing on the young people today. We're kind of focusing on the people in mortuary school, trying to give them some guidance on what they should be doing you know while they're going to school to secure either an apprenticeship or the, or to secure a job in the near future when they graduate
0: yes Nancy like uh, we talked about earlier i believe that it's very important that if you're thinking about going into this great industry and serving the public i believe that it's important that you you get an idea of what you're getting into that you visit a funeral home you experience the Working the long hours, being on call, going out in the middle of the night, working an eighteen-hour day—you know.
1: No, I understand, Cody, and um, you know it's just as important to do removals and to do embalming as it is to do uh, arrangement conferences. Arrangement conferences are pretty well taught in school; it's a learned process. But when you go out and you do your first removal, when you do your first embalming, that's a whole different thing. You either it, you either take to it or you don't.
0: That's right, Nancy. And that's why I think it's very important that you get the hands-on experience and then make the decision if this is right for you or not, and then go forward with schooling and apprenticeship.
1: And when you did your first removal, Cody, how did you feel about that?
0: I was terrified. I went on a call to a nursing home. It luckily was someone in the community that I knew. I knew the family. I went to church with the Uh, son and daughter-in-law went to high school with the grandkids but still I was very very nervous and I remember pulling up to the the nursing home in the hearse and going through the doors and just shaking but I told myself I cannot let these people know that this is my first time that I'm nervous and it went smoothly. They were very happy to see me. I was very happy to, to realize that it, who it was there and that I knew them and it made me very comfortable. And when they came back to the funeral home the next day to make the funeral arrangements, uh, Mr. Hatcher told them that that was my first time going on a removal by myself. And they said that they couldn't believe that that was the first time that I'd ever done that because they said that I was very professional and, and, did everything very courteously, and they were very happy with uh, everything.
1: Oh, that's really nice to hear. Now, tell us a little bit about your first embalming.
0: Well, that's very interesting because they, uh, I was actually working in a restaurant when I was still uh, thinking about coming to work in the funeral industry, and I was working a few services every now and then, and they called me one evening. I had just gotten off work at the restaurant, and they said, we have a call and they're going to be embalmed. Would you like to come see it? And I was very, very nervous. And, of course, I rushed down here because I wanted to, to get the experience. And I remember coming in the funeral home, and, and they started the procedures. And I remember when they made their the first incision in the embalming <laughs> that I my knees buckled. I was pouring in sweat. And the next thing I knew, I was on the ground.
1: <laughs> well, that's pretty common.
0: Yeah, I didn't. You know, I knew that it was going to be something that I wasn't used to. And and now it's no problem. It's very funny because when I graduated last week, the funeral director that was in the embalming room, he wasn't doing the embalming, but he was there observing also because he was going to help us out some before he moved to a different area. He learned through Facebook that I graduated and he sent me a message on Facebook saying congratulations. I remember that first time that you were in the bombing room and how nervous you were. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Look where you are now." So
1: And now and now it's it's fine, right?
0: No problem at all. <laughs>
1: No, and that's really good insight and and good information to give to people because, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you know, if if your stomach turns or you sweat or, you know, pass out or whatever the case may be, that you're the only one that that's happening to. And it's you're not the only one it's happening to. It's a very, very very common, (laughs) very common response. It's just like if you work in a hospital, the first time you see a procedure, it's not something you're really used to. That's right. But now you've done pretty much everything that there is to do in, in the funeral home.
0: Yes, that's right. And you're no, comfortable. No fear, no, Very comfortable now.
1: Oh, that's great. Cody, I want to wish you all the luck in the world. Let's stay in touch. I hope that you do get a job as a funeral director. I don't see why they wouldn't hire you. And if you're comfortable with it, to give the audience a little bit of information so they can contact you.
0: Yes, uh, Nancy, again, thank you very much for having me. Uh, to chat with you today. It's been an honor, and I appreciate all that you do and contribute to the funeral industry.
1: Thank you. And, it's a pleasure.
0: And if anyone would like to get in touch with me, they can do so either via Facebook, Cody Anderson, or my email address is clanderson2234 at yahoo.com.
1: Okay, great. And I hope people do connect with Cody because out of all the young people that I talk to, you exemplify the perfect student, the perfect new funeral director because you're so ambitious and you're so hopeful and optimistic and you've got great technology skills along with great people skills and I just think you're a role model for the up-and-coming up funeral director in 2012.
0: Thank you very much, Nancy. I'm very excited about the future.
1: I thank you and thank you for being on this broadcast. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Nancy. Ordering cremation urns for your funeral home is easy with UnitedPriority.com. Email your client an urn description from our website or receive tier pricing when ordering more than one item. Help your clients find the right urn with UnitedPriority.com.